The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Organic Growth Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to publish an episode every day talking about growing your business without reliance on paid media. Joining us for Organic Growth Week is Morty Oberstein, who is the new head of communications at SEMrush, which is an online visibility management SaaS platform that has been used by over 7 million marketers worldwide. SEMrush is an all-in-one marketing suite that consists of more than 50 products, tools, and add-ons that help companies market better online. And in addition to being our guest today, SEMrush is also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. So far this week, Morty and I have talked about why marketers are reprioritizing organic growth. And yesterday, we continued the conversation talking about what data you need to set your SEO strategy. Today, we're going to talk about the overlap between SEO and brand marketing. All right, here's the third installment of Organic Growth Week with Morty Oberstein from SEMrush. Morty, happy hump day and welcome back to Organic Growth Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me back again. Excited to have you back on the show and continue our conversation. Yesterday, we spent most of our time talking about baseball, but a little bit about (laughs) SEO strategy. And my takeaway from the conversation is that even if you understand who your audience is, you need to use data to understand where there is demand so the content you're creating has the possibility of reaching the most eyeballs. It's not just about creating content that's compelling. You also need to think about the possible distribution and reach of the search engines. And that's really a tactical approach to SEO. Well, I just want this transactional relationship of I get an impression, I get a search result, I show up and hopefully somebody clicks on that result to get to my website and buy something, a very PPC-ish way of thinking about SEO. There's other components to SEO as well. There's the notion of the overlap between brand and SEO, something that's becoming more of a hot topic these days. Talk to me about the relationship and the overlap between brand and SEO. This is one of my favorite topics because so you want to get as much eyeballs on as much content as possible. So let's say you sell shoes. So I'm going to rank for buy shoes. Good luck if you're not Nike, Reebok, or Adidas, basically, or Zappos.com, whatever it is. You're not that, unless you are that, but you're not that. How do you get there? I'm not saying it's not possible to rank for these high search volume, great keywords, but how do you get there? You really have to start off slow. You have to get Google to understand what you're talking about topically, gain trust in you, gain authority and build that up. It's going to take years to happen. 
But one of the things with organic is you kind of get away from yourself. Like, all right, I can't wait. I got to do all these things. And that's where you have blackhead SEO, you're trying all these tricks to get ahead of the search engine and so forth. Thinking about your website from a brand perspective, I'll explain what I mean by that is keeps you in check. It keeps you honest and it keeps you on a trajectory that makes sense for your site and for your users and for everybody's health. What I mean is think of your site as if you're a user looking at it from a perspective, from an optics point of view. Your content is your brand. It is who you are. What do users walk away thinking about when they look at you? For example, let's say you're a website and you're, I don't know, you're a health information website. You offer information to keep people healthy so they don't die. And on every single page that you have, you have a banner ad, you have a pop-up, you have internal links to all your products. You've got a couple more banner ads. You got another pop-up showing up. What do users walk away thinking and feeling when they look at your website? Well, they're trying to scam me. They're trying, they don't care about me. They just want to make some money for themselves. I don't trust them. Thinking about your perception, how you're being perceived, how your website's being perceived, keeps you honest. It keeps you focused on creating really good content. It keeps you focused on building authority because if you're not being perceived, well, all right, let's stop that. Let's do something different. Let's be perceived. Well, let's make sure the optics look good. Our content is our brand because search engines are doing the same thing as users are. They're looking at your site. They're profiling your site, or at least Google is. I don't know about Bing or DuckDuckGo. And they're trying to understand who you are. Are you trustworthy? Are you authoritative? I've seen cases, for example, where a Google algorithm will go after tone. Now, it doesn't understand tone the way that we understand tone. But let's say, for example, you're selling loans or offering loans. There was a page. It wrote, a small business loan is like a classic car. It never goes out of style. Get your loan today. You mean to tell me like I'm going to risk my entire financial future, my business on a page that sounds like you're trying to sell me a used car? So Google picked up on that. It didn't pick up on it the way that you and I picked up on it, but it realized the word choices weren't right for the content. Now, if you were focused on your kind of brand point of view, you would be like, wow, if a user saw me right that way, they would have a very bad feeling towards me. I think that what you're getting into is when you're optimizing your content and you're thinking about what you're writing and how you're trying to get Google to rank various content you need to think about the brand perspective. If I do rank for this given result, right? And if someone comes to my page, are they going to see something that's going to put the best image of my company forward? Is this going to be a positive brand impression? Or am I going to come off like I'm selling a used car wearing a cheap suit? Companies that create high value content that isn't overload with a terrible experience tend to have better user experiences. And so someone will, when they use the search engine, will start thinking of you positively. There's also a different approach here when we talk about brand and SEO. And it actually has to do with some of the KPIs of SEO. You know, often we think about SEO being a traffic driver. And one of the things that's happening is Google is starting to be more of an answer search engine. There's structured data that companies are feeding into Google, or Google is just crawling your content, figuring out what the best paragraph or passage is. And when somebody asks a question, they're taking that content off of your site and presenting it to the user basically as if it was owned by Google. Very controversial topic in SEO, but it's the idea of the, the zero-click search Talk to me about how zero-click searches are impacting SEOs and what's the brand impact of SEO today. This ties exactly into what I was saying before. So let's take a case, right? I type in, I don't know, what's the weather in New York? 
So I'm not going to get an actual website. I'm going to get a box that says the temperature in New York, or that it's raining in New York, whatever it is. That's actually sponsored, I think, by the Weather Channel. There's uh, not sponsored, but it's in partnership with the Weather Channel. But leaving that aside for a second, I'm not going to go to an actual website. Is that Google stealing clicks from weather websites or is that Google trying to give the user what they want? So now you have a big debate in SEO about this. Yes and yes. Yes, it's both. <laughs> but is Google wrong or not wrong? Let's leave that aside for a second. Is Google giving the user what it wants? I kind of feel the novelty of the internet, let's say five, 10 years ago, not five, 10 years ago, was wow, I can get access information really quickly. It's, everything's at my fingertips. I don't need to go to a library. I don't need to wait for information. It's all there. Now the innovation is I don't have to click. I don't have to wait. I don't have to do anything. I look at my phone. It tells me the weather without me even asking for it. It's a little widget right there. Google's just kind of matching what users expect from content, in my honest opinion, in those cases where it makes sense. But what Google's also doing, which no one talks about simultaneously, is that Google's trying to refine what content you have access to. In other words, there's all sorts of ways that Google refines the query that you originally put in and tries to direct you to more specific content. For example, if you search for best vacation spots, if you're in the U.S., I don't know if this happens outside of the U.S., you'll get a filter at the top of the page. It'll have options, right? So best vacation spot with kids in the wintertime on a cruise. So you click for cruise. You're going to get vacation spots or you're going to get vacations that are cruise packages. All of those original results that you saw on the original page, you're never even going to look at because Google's redirecting you to a more specific piece of content. In other words, Google's trying to say users want something very, very specific. We're going to try to find ways to let searchers access that really specific content, which goes back to my original point. The only way you're going to offer that original specific content is by focusing on a brand kind of perspective. As a brand, are we offering something of value? As a brand, are we offering something that's unique to our users? Are we offering something helpful to our users? Are we offering something that's going to make the user walk away and feel like, wow, I really got something great here? If you have that mentality, then you are going to create highly specific, highly detailed, highly nuanced content, the kind of content that Google is trying to send users to. It's very much synonymous. Whereas 10 years ago, you wrote for search engines and you wrote for users. Now you're writing for users and search engines at the same time. It's like a Neil Young song. It all sounds the same. <laughs> That's another interesting metaphor. I agree that Google and their natural language processing has gotten much better. And so they understand user intent better than they did five and 10 years ago. And they're able to modify what query you're looking for and understand what results are a match to that query, which means that when you get a search result, it's probably more targeted. Now, on the flip side, I mentioned before the notion of zero click and also, you know, some of the voice search results are coming down the pike more and more as well. There is a metrics conversation within the SEO community of how do we evaluate the value of SEO when, let's say, our average click-through rate on a search result is 5%, so we get 100 views, we get 5 clicks, but now we're looking at 10 of the views that we would have got or 10 of the impressions that we get are zero-click results where Google is taking a passage from our content and displaying it to the user. Now, that doesn't have zero value. People are getting that information. They understand that you're presenting it to them, but they're not clicking and you're not able to retarget them. You're not getting the opportunity to sell, but you're still delivering the right information to your customer base. Is that something that provides value? To me, that's really the big overlap of brand and SEO from a marketing perspective is you can 
can distribute your information to your users without actually getting somebody to your website, that's a brand impression, right? It's not an SEO as a marketing channel impression. So that's a big debate, right? Whether or not, let's say the user sees me on the results page, but they never click on me. Is that a brand win? I personally think that in many cases it is. Some cases it's not. I think it's good. If you're ranking for content, I would keep going anyway, and I'll tell you why, even though it may not sound as powerful as other metrics. Google's ranking, it means it likes it. This is content that it likes. It's content, I'm assuming it's topically related to your website. You want to keep going with that because you want to keep that topical relevancy set up so that when there is a keyword that you can win for, or let's put it this way, where there is a keyword that you want that does bring in clicks, there is no top of the SERP feature there. There's no direct answer or feature snippet or PLAs or there's nothing there. You can get all the clicks you want out of it. The only way to get those really great keywords like that, if it's a high search volume keyword, especially, you can't go from zero to 60 in three seconds. You have to build up. So if there's content that Google sees that's topically relevant to you, it likes that content, keep going with it because that will allow Google to trust you for that piece of content, for that keyword that you want to get that will bring in the clicks. Like for example, going back to buy shoes. If over the course of three years, you've really built up a portfolio of content around shoes, and now you want to go for that ever coveted buy shoes keyword that gets a million searches a month. There's no surf features there. Obviously there's a million surf features for that keyword. The only way to get there is to build up slowly through other pieces of content. Yeah, at the end of the day, Google uses, and we used this term before, it's kind of a controversial one, as a ranking factor, whether they call it domain authority, brand reputation, the aggregate of all the signals they have, not just about the individual piece of content, but also about who the author is, what the brand is that's delivering that information, can it be trusted? Do you outrank from a brand perspective some of the other content creators that probably have similar content, you know, the tiebreaker ends up being brand domain authority reputation. And that's why there is a huge overlap between brand and SEO. All the other things that you're doing to build your brand, to build credibility, to build recognition that maybe get you backlinks, which relate SEO, that maybe get you social mentions that Google is going to see, those help dictate how much you should be or where you should be ranking when it comes down to search engines results. And if you're seeing that zero click placement, that's a good signal. It might not have value for that specific keyword. Maybe Google's taking advantage of being the search engine provider, but that means they like you. And that's incredibly important in SEO. I mean, look, Google the other day, John Mueller from Google said, yeah, what happens across your whole site impacts a particular page. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what happens on your site on and off your site, how much people are referencing it around the rest of the internet in social media links that also has a dramatic impact on your brand and your SEO. Yeah. Mentions matter. Links matter. I'm not sure social media mentions matter. Social signals, I don't think are one of the official factors that Google counts, but definitely mentions like forget links. Google has said we do keep track of mentions. So even if it's not a link and you get a mention, all right, link is better, but mentions are great. Something tells me that Google understands how influential Gary V is because of how well he does in social media. 
that's a signal that they're getting. It's not purely just backlinks. It's like, oh, when I look at every single social media platform, he's a top 10 influencer in business and marketing. Maybe he doesn't have the backlink profile of the martech.org, but it's Gary V. He's kind of a big deal. So when he wants to rank for a given piece of content, my bets he's probably going to show up based on the strength of his social signals. That's a wormhole I don't want to go down. I lose my SEO card. <laughs> we'll leave Gary V out of this. And that <laughs> wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Morty Oberstein, head of communications at SEMrush. If you'd like to hear more of Morty and SEMrush's tips to building an effective organic growth strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about the overlap between SEO and social media. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Morty, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Morty Oberstein. That's M-O-R-D-Y-O-B-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. Or you could visit his company's website. You can go to semrush.com slash MarTech. And since you're a listener of the MarTech podcast, they'll give you a free month of their Guru account, which is the account that I use. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you haven't had a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.